Early signs that this Omicron wave is now here and spreading in the United States. Fox News addressing those text messages sent to Mark Meadows, who could now face criminal charges for defying that January 6th subpoena. And can Spider-Man save the box office? It's looking like he actually might. Wednesday Need to Know. Let's go. Good morning, everybody. This is Cheddar's Need to Know podcast for December 15th. I am Carlo Versano here with Baker Machado. Ten days until Christmas. How is that possible? Yes. Uh, Move up the advent calendar, Carlo. Good Wednesday morning to you. Happy National Cupcake Day uh, to uh, our listeners on this day. I love me a good cupcake because it's the perfect portion of uh, not too much, not too little, but right down the middle. It's the Goldilocks of desserts. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, I guess. I'm more of a cake guy, but anything cake-adjacent uh, I stand for. Um, by the way, before we start, I caught up uh, with our friend Wags last Ooh, night. Uh, Jill Wagner. How's she doing? Jill Wags. She's doing good. I, I was just, uh, you know, talking shop with her. She wanted to thank every—she wanted me to thank everybody who sent her such uh, kind messages, wishing her well over the last couple weeks. Um, she's really, really touched by that. Um, but she's doing good, and she uh, the one thing that she said is that she's listening to the pod, and she says that we're going too long, so that we have to <laughs> oh, no. reel it in. <laughs> and so we, we don't we, we can't upset mom Baker, no so we no gotta, no whatever we whenever the parents on complain the yes whenever yeah. the parents start to complain you know we have to basically taper things so, okay we will <laughs> again try to be on our best behavior today we will try as humanly possible uh, to keep it as brief as possible so i guess uh <laughs> having said that i guess let's dive into the headlines okay so the cdc carlo warning that omicron case is starting to spread rapidly in the u.s and that the country could see peak of wave infections as soon as january omicron now accounts for a three percent of nationwide positive Tests that's up from four tenths of a percent just a week ago. The surge clearly already underway here in the uh, the New York tri-state area, which is detecting the variant at four times the national rate. And new cases also starting to impact pro sports once again. The NHL, NFL, NBA, all experiencing outbreaks that are depleting their rosters already. Uh, in if you just look, and this is according to the New York Times this morning, Carlo, in regions of New York, New Jersey, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, the percentage of Omicron infections has now reached 13.1%. And a lot of uh, epidemiologists are compared to what's happening with the United States to uh, Denmark in particular, just because of the rate of vaccinations and all of that. In Denmark, they're seeing an an almost daily doubling of the amount of new COVID infections that are part of the Omicron variant, which is leading a lot of doctors to basically speculate here. We might see multiple waves, not just in January in the winter seasons, but also potentially another one maybe in the spring as well. Yeah, it could be actually good if this if the first uh, parts of this wave start to hit New York, especially New York City, because we're like ni- something like 90 percent vaccinated yeah, here. Pretty high. So, you know, if, if we can get through it, I think that's a good sign that, you know, well vaccinated places will um, be able to handle this. Uh, Seventy five player positives in the NFL over the last two days, by the way. Uh, that's not a good sign. Uh, it's also happening in the NBA. I'm going to the Nets game on Saturday. I don't even Ooh. know if they're going to be able to play. There's seven players on that team out on the COVID protocol. Uh, and I was out in um, Manhattan yesterday, and I noticed that the lines at uh, the testing sites were quite long. Uh, once again, starting to look like they did really a year ago, which is not a great sign. Um, 
And I don't know if you saw this. This is this this one just blew my top yesterday. Not to be outdone by Middlebury, Cornell University now going oh, yeah. fully remote for the rest of the semester. They're tracking a new COVID outbreak there. All school activities banned, as if Ithaca wasn't depressing enough. It was a place to live. Um, I kid. I'm just mad because I didn't. I, I didn't get into Cornell. Actually, I did uh, yes. get in. On, I I got in deferred, but whatever. Cornell sucks. Anyway, the school says that. Uh, uh, it, it, what, what an obnoxious thing to say, right? No, anyway, I love it. I the, love it. I love it. I love the bitterness never ends. I, I'm the same <laughs> with all the colleges that didn't accept me also. Yeah. Uh, but but seriously, though, the school uh, in their release saying that being vaccinated with a booster is, quote, not a license to let down our guard, end quote. Isn't it? Isn't that the whole point, actually, to be able to let down your guard once you're fully vaccinated? I mean, this is a, like I don't want to go back on a, a whole tangent about this because we talked about it last week. But. I just there's no wonder that there's still so much vaccine hesitancy out there. Why bother getting vaccinated if you can't let your guard down when you <sighs> see stuff like this? It's just, you know, if we keep going by case numbers, we've said this before, but it's just never going to end. Right. Because nobody has told us what is the threshold for normalcy. That's the question I want to ask Fauci, Biden, anybody with any sort of power in the public health apparatus. What is the threshold for normalcy? They say at Cornell, the cases are rising at a, quote, concerning rate. Well, okay, what makes the rate concerning? Is it 10 cases? Is it 100 cases? Is it 500 cases? Is it one hospitalization? I mean, these kids up there, they should be banging down the door at the registrar's office asking for a refund. $60,000 a year yeah, to go to these true. schools, and they can't even get through a semester without one, without shutting down. By the way, this isn't happening in the SEC. None of the big state schools in the South are dealing with this. They're getting through just fine. They're going to football games. They're going to classes. I mean, if you have half of your college experience ruined because of a virus that you're vaccinated against and that honestly isn't really that big of a threat to you and your cohort to begin with. I, I know that this is not an especially popular position to hold, probably especially among our audience. And some people will say, as they have to me, you know, hey, look, it's just a couple of weeks. It's the end of the semester anyway. Better to err on the side of caution and not send a bunch of infected students back home. I just don't agree with that. And I never have ever since the widespread availability of effective vaccines. Life has to be lived. It's simple as that. Well, to to answer, I think your original question. I think your th your your thesis is is correct in the sense of how do we sort of judge what's sort of the barometer of normalcy? And and some epidemiologists have said it's actually going to be the death number, not so much the case number. It's going to be the death mm -hmm. number because especially what we've seen with Omicron now, breakthrough infections are happening at a much higher pace than what we saw during Delta. So the likelihood, I think, what was a seventy nine percent chance based on Danish data that those who were vaccinated are still catching COVID. COVID because of the Omicron variant. So the likelihood of, of us catching COVID from this is high, but the chances of you dying are exceedingly low if you're vaccinated, and especially if you're boosted, your, your chances of death and hospitalization is incredibly low. So to answer your question, it, it, we know this is going to get into the endemic phase of the pandemic soon. So the death number might likely be the more um, logical yeah. barometer in terms of gauging whether or not we're back to normal or not here. But I mean, in, in a bad flu season, you, you could have a thousand Americans dying a day of the flu and nobody cares. I mean, it's, I shouldn't say nobody cares, but it doesn't affect pu pu public policy. It doesn't close colleges. It doesn't uh, well, change the way true, we true. live and, our and, lives. And I, right? I, 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 I want to just before we move on to the next one, um, say something with the Colorado governor, Jared Polis, who, by the way, one of the more popular governors in the country has yep. a, a, an approval rating over 60 percent. He has done insane, crazy um, vaccination sites throughout the entire state of Colorado, and he is 
is now saying, look, if you are not vaccinated and you, we're not going to implement mask mandates across the state anymore, we are not going to do vaccine mandates either. But if you catch COVID, uh, this is your, that's your fault. That is your responsibility. We did our job to make sure that you were prepared. Um, and, and basically moving on from here, this is under your guise and yep. your recommendation from here on out because we did our job to make sure that you were safe and protected and everything now is kind of just left up to you now. Yeah, I mean, before we move on, yeah, I mean, I think that that's sort of generally where I'm starting to to to, to feel on this thing. I think it's just the, the last thing I'll say is, you know, the goalposts have been moved on this since the beginning. Oh, In the yeah. beginning of the pandemic, now. yeah, if you be, if you remember the beginning of this, it was all about flattening the curve, right? We had right. to buy hospitals time so that they didn't overload, and I think everybody was down with that, right? Nobody wanted to see, you know, people in hospital beds out on the street and in those, you know, refrigerated uh, trucks and tents outside hospitals. So we all did our jobs, but hospitals aren't overflowing in a lot of places. So maybe in places where they are, they those areas require some some level of extra um you know regulations and rules but generally speaking it's just what is what is the goalpost what are we trying to do the virus is not going to go away we're all going to be exposed to omicron or delta or zeta eta theta whatever the next variant is um it's just upon it's incumbent upon us to have all of the tools in our toolbox to make sure that if and when we get sick it's not that bad we well, move on. Well, one of the tools potentially to be added into the yep. toolbox to help against this will be Pfizer's new COVID antiviral pill. It appears, Carla, to be holding up well in trials, including against the Omicron variant. Based on new data released by the company, when taken within just a few days of symptoms, the drug reduces the risk of hospitalization and death by close to 90% among high-risk patients. That would be consistent with earlier data, and it shows better results than Merck's competing antiviral, which I think was falling in the 50% in terms of how much you were being protected. Now, the FDA has not scheduled a meeting to consider an emergency approval of the Pfizer pill. It's called Plaxlovid. But if they did um, get this approved, you could potentially see this, you know, a lot of people being able to take this potentially before the end of the year here. I think the United States has actually paid for about 10 million doses, for 10 million Americans, excuse me, to get this pill, which would no doubt be significant here. Just another tool added to the box here. Yeah, and a good one. But what's the rush, right, FDA? I mean, if this drug is as good as they say it is, I don't know why the FDA isn't getting it out ASAP, right? Pfizer even said that they halted the clinical trials because it wouldn't be ethical to continue them when it appeared that this pill was as effective as it appears to be. And now it's just like sitting in this regulatory pur purgatory. So I think that, yeah. you, yes, this, it's the sooner they can get this on the market, and, the better. We're not going to have enough of it in the beginning, but no, it's something. But to something we've also said before with the... Uh, the amount of people who are not getting the vaccine or a vaccine hesitant or, or choose not to get it, there are some people out there, the Joe Rogan group of people that are taking this weird horse tranquilizer or horse dewormer uh, that would rather not take a vaccine but would take an antiviral pill. Yes, so right. would this, so for those who are not getting the vaccine, does this entice them maybe to take something like this, which would also bring down the cases right. as well. Um, all right, let's move now to Washington. Uh, the drama continues to heat up there, Carlo. The the Justice Department now going to be tasked with deciding whether or not to pursue criminal charges against a former White House chief of staff. My gosh, that's still a statement. I can't even believe I'm reading that after the January 6th House Committee voted to recommend holding Mark Meadows in contempt. Two Republicans, Representative Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, voted with Democrats. Uh, Republicans unanimously, except for those two, voted against it. Meadows' so, uh, cell phone is becoming a core pillar of the investigation into the Capitol riot. That after the committee revealed text messages that he received 
received from uh, Republican members of Congress and Fox News personalities who implored him to get President Trump to condemn the attack as it was happening yesterday uh, on January the 6th. Uh, both Sean Hannity and Laura Ingraham. Ingram? Ingraham? Yes. What's your Ingram. Ingraham. Ingram. Ingram. Anyway, they both addressed uh, those texts on their shows on yes, Fox last night. They it was pretty predictable. They blamed the committee for releasing them as, as like an invasion of privacy. And of course, when in doubt, they blamed the media for reporting yep. on them, even though, of course, my favorite thing ever is when Fox News blames the media. It's like, what what do you think you are exactly? You're, <laughs> Good point. Uh, right? Um, Geraldo he was even on Hannity last Geraldo. night. Geraldo. Kind of like the, the, the voice of reason. The and mustache Hannity, man, yeah. yes. Yeah, Hannity basically shut him down. I mean, look, if any other news organization was dealing with something like this, it would be the absolute end of their credibility. It doesn't matter an ounce to Fox. It doesn't matter to their viewers. Um, and, and look, I know. I know that MSNBC and even CNN are essentially an arm of the DNC at this point. But, you know, Fox is a very different thing. They – they literally dis they despise their audience, right? They do. I mean, they think their viewers are the dumbest rubes in America. <laughs> and it's the way that they treat them, and right. it's just incredible. If you watch MSNBC or CNN, you will accidentally be exposed to views other than your own over the course of the day. That doesn't happen on Fox. Fox is straight party line, state TV when the, when the uh, Republicans in power, and straight opposition when uh, they're out of power. It's simple as that. Yeah, no, really interesting. And, and I was actually, they had not, uh, nobody on Fox had even discussed the Mark Meadows situation all day yesterday until Sean Hannity basically yeah. was tossing his, or uh, tossing his show over to Laura Ingram. So it had been almost a full 30 hours yesterday yeah. before Fox News even acknowledged the fact that their two most high, next to Tucker Carlson, some of their most high profile stars are being basically in, in, uh, ensnared in this giant controversy on the Capitol. And I I thought it was also really interesting because Mitch McConnell was asked about this yesterday and he seemed incredibly intrigued with what was happening on the House side of the investigation and he said he is watching all of this incredibly closely for all the other sort of revelations, basically implying that some sort of um, traditional establishment Republicans were also just as taken back by those text message revelations uh, regarding Mark Meadows yeah. here. Uh, meanwhile, let's move us uh, to overseas now, Carlo. At least 62 people were killed and dozens more injured that when a gasoline tanker exploded in Haiti's second largest uh, city of Cap Haitian. The tanker had broken down and was leaking gas, and people had gathered around the truck to collect fuel when the explosion had happened. Uh, Haiti in the midst of a crippling gas shortage, uh, just one of several ongoing catastrophes that seem to happen um, in that country all the time, Carlo. Yeah, especially over this last year, uh, the government of Haiti still reeling, of course, from the assassination of its former president. Uh, the government, they're basically losing control of that country as we speak to the gangs. Uh, one of those gangs is still holding a dozen American missionaries hostage. Uh, yeah. Five of those 17 missionaries have been released. The FBI apparently has not had any luck with the rest. Uh, and that includes children. So that's a story that I just want to keep a keep an eye on because, um, I mean, th these are American citizens and, you know, they're being held against their will in a country that's not that far away uh, from our shores. Uh, the New York Times also on the Haiti beat reporting this week that uh, the, the assassinated president, uh, Jovenel Moise, was about to name names when he was killed. He had a list of drug traffickers and re was reportedly about to go on an anti-drug crusade uh, when he was assassinated in his home last summer. 
I mean, Haiti, you know, it, I've said it before, it's like the unluckiest country in the Western yeah. Hemisphere, right? They're still recovering from that earthquake that was, you know, years yeah. ago. Um, haven't been able to basically get back up on their feet on that. And um, there was another one this summer. I know, I know. It's just, it breaks your heart, uh, Carlo. Uh, let's move to entertainment, Carlo. James Bond couldn't do it. Steven Spielberg couldn't do it either. But now it's Spidey's turn in an attempt to rescue the movie theater industry. Spider-Man No Way Home tracking to break every COVID-era box office record, possibly buy a lot when it opens wide this Friday. The latest installment in the MCU featuring Tom Holland in his third solo outing as super as the superhero, getting some pretty good reviews also. It right now has about a 97% score on Rotten Tomatoes straight out of the gate. Uh, you know, look, estimate or it potentially would crack over the $100 million mark, which we have not not seen a, any film during the pandemic get there. Um, Black Widow and Shang-Chi, which were sort of the two uh, big sort of uh, movies that actually did well during the pandemic, got in the 80 million range in their first opening weekend, and those were considered big successes here. So if Spider-Man gets anything over 80 million, it's clearly yeah. a huge success for Sony here. Some of these uh, tr uh, box office trackers have uh, this film going as high as 200 million wow. this weekend. Uh, that'd be huge. No movie has cracked 100 million since the start of the pandemic. And it looks like Spidey's going to be the one to break the curse. Um, so, I mean, yeah, of course, it's all it's always superhero movies, right? Are these movies any good? I like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans, but I, I have mm -hmm. never, I don't, I haven't really been up to speed on the Peter Parker. You don't watch the Andrew Garfield one? I, I don't think so. No, he wasn't very good, I, I, though, was he? So the rumor is, and again, no spoilers here because I, I haven't seen anything or any or read any of the spoilers since now. You know, more people have been able to see this. But Tom Holland has sort of been indicating Andrew Garfield uh, and, and Tobey Maguire might make cameo appearances in this film as well mm. because they're bringing back almost all the villains from uh, previous uh, uh, Spider-Man iterations, which is why a lot of people are really into this. Also, Zendaya is in this, and I don't know if you saw her outfit on the red carpet the other night for the premiere. I was, like, in love with her dress. Her dress was so good. I like her. Yeah, she's awesome, and I'm, I'm such a fan of hers. Uh, but she wore almost, like, this, like, Catwoman mask on the red carpet to the Spider-Man premiere, and I was just, like, gaga over it. She's dating Tom Holland, right? Yes, in real she life. is. Isn't that so interesting that you have the two stars of the film that are actually dating yeah. in real life? Like you like never get that opportunity very often. And I did, I did like that Tom Holland came out and was like, uh, he was like, people who say that I shouldn't be able to date her because she's taller than me, that's BS. It's like, okay, how, <laughs> there, there we go, I'm short king. Think, it's okay I'm to be short. I'm trying to think, the, um, and, our, and our listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, the last one I can think of is Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart, sort of the one-two punch of, of a big uh, superhero you know, fantasy movie that the two stars were dating uh, in real life off screen also, which was interesting. Yeah. Send us send us the other ones if yeah, you know if of you any. Yeah, if you know any, um, I can't think we'll, of any. We'll this call it. <laughs> okay, let's do a little more to know before we go, Baker. Yeah, President Biden going to get a firsthand look at the devastation from last weekend's tornado outbreak. POTUS going to travel to the towns of Mayfield and Dawson Springs. Those are two of the hardest hit areas. 100 people still unaccounted for uh, in that state, Carlo. I put a great link to a video in the newsletter today of this guy, this Kentucky man who uh, it's incredible. It's he was his his sister took a video of him without his knowledge of him playing a uh, gospel hymn on his 
oh, broken amazing. piano in this in his house, which was basically destroyed by the tornado. There was no roof. Um, it was just a really really touching moment. And I think um, you know you see so many of those in the aftermath of these uh, of these kinds of stories, these kinds of disasters that hit these little communities so hard. So anyway, check that out uh, if you haven't yet. It's in the newsletter this morning. Uh, meantime, uh, one other note out of Washington today: the U.S. will avert a credit default after Congress passed a 2.5 trillion dollar extension to the debt ceiling. They did that hours before a key uh, default deadline there. So this will take us through the midterms until 2023 before we have to worry about this again. Uh, so no shut, no showdown over the debt limit uh, in an election year, which yeah, is exactly. a good thing for everybody. Yes, and Republicans calling this a win because they're basically got Democrats to vote on a party line, uh, on the party line to basically own the debt. So you're definitely going to hear Republicans mm -hmm. start to talk about that uh, with the midterms on the horizon here. Andrew Cuomo has been ordered to return $5 million in proceeds from his cursed COVID memoir on leadership. New York State's Ethics Committee voted to claw back that money that Cuomo made from that book, though it's legally a questionable order here. Andrew Cuomo saying uh, he's going to appeal this. He says he has no intention tensions on paying that money back. Uh, I mean, this is legally questionable. I think it, it, absolutely. I don't think they can do that, can they? I mean, it's I don't know. Uh, Great I don't know. It's, an, it's another political hit job, I think. But uh, anyway, a new eye drop that could replace reading glasses for millions of people who suffer from nearsightedness is now on the market. It's a big deal. Uh, Vuity, it's called. It's now available with the prescription. It's a once-a-day treatment that can help you see up close without affecting your long-range vision, which, of course, is an issue, especially as you get older. So no more reading if you don't like your reading glasses if you lose them wow. uh, all the time you can now have this eye drop on you and that should uh, keep you going for the whole day one drop in each eye provides sharper vision for up to 10 hours wow putting readers out of business this is big news here yeah. carlo uh, meanwhile ben affleck back in the news that after he opened up to howard stern in an interview saying he was deeply unhappy in his marriage to Jennifer Garner and that he probably would still be drinking if he stayed married to the actress. Uh, but look how happy he is right now. I saw him on the red carpet the other day with J-Lo. Seems to be living the best life right now. Oh, is there anything grosser than talking about your like uh, your divorce, your like yes. your for your ex, yes. like in the media? Oh yeah. And what did she ever do to him? I mean, he, oh, I if mean, anything, she's so sounds like amazing. she dodged a bullet. No, yeah, she, yeah, she did. She absolutely did. He was kind of a, a hot mess, and and so no, she she's so lovely, and I'm such a big fan of hers, also. Yeah. I mean, she was like taking him to rehab after they were divorced, and then he's out there like spilling the tea on their uh, one, their marriage. One thing I used to um, when I lived in Los Angeles, the the uh, the person that used to do my eyebrows used to do my eyebrows. Also did Jennifer Garner's. <laughs> so I always, every time I was getting my eyebrows done, tried to get gossip about Jennifer Garner, but alas, did not get anything exciting. Dare I ask, what does that mean to get your eyebrows done? Oh, oh, it's great. Oh, it's good. They basically have this brush. They pull it up and they kind of snip off all the extra excess hair that you, oh. you basically have. They kind of just clean it up just a little bit. But other than that, you, it, you spend $100 for something that takes two minutes. You do have very nice eyebrows. Thank have you, you been told that you. before? It is the gateway to the soul is what they say. <laughs> Okay, anyway, um, Jill, you're listening. You're shaking your head right now. I know. <laughs> Finally, uh, just uh, a big milestone in sports last night. Steph Curry is now, statistically speaking, the greatest shooter in NBA history. Oh, my goodness, yes. The uh, Warriors superstar drained his 2,974th three ball of his career at Madison Square Garden last night. It was against the Knicks, of course, which lost. Um, with that three-pointer, Curry passed Ray Allen for the record, uh, and he did it in 500 fewer mm. games. Curry mm. has really changed the NBA, and, it, you know, you forget Baker, when we were growing up in the 90s, you know, 
basketball games were, were completely they don't look anything like they look now oh, right no, I mean, you it's, to, yeah it's like street ball watch, which is amazing he's yeah. like what he's able to do is incredible and also the um the warriors who struggled mightily last year the number one team by a by a moonshot in the western conference right now and it's because of how good steph curry has been this year it's crazy. The, all these old guys uh, keeping basically the NBA afloat here. True. Um, okay. Well, I think we stayed a relatively I think we did tight today. today. Okay. Good. Good on you, Baker. <laughs> good on me. That's for you, Jill. Uh, okay, folks. That's what you need to know for Wednesday, December 15th. We'll see you tomorrow.